Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, we have um, Susan Dupree. Uh, Susan began her career in Colonial Williamsburg's gardens in April of 1980. Her first assignment as a gardener was at the Carter's Grove Plantation at its beautiful location on on the James River. She assisted with the holiday decorations there and fell in love with the beauty and creativity. In 1990, she was promoted to foreman responsible for the maintenance of the gardens and grounds at the Williamsburg Inn and Lodge and later Merchant Square. During this time, she renovated the rooftop garden at the DeWitt Wallace Museum. She became a supervisor in the historic area in 1995, inheriting the responsibility of decorating the whole area for the holidays. She, with the assistance of a dozen gardeners, and half a dozen carpenters were decorating well over 100 buildings in the historic area, Merchant Square, and the majority of the hotel holiday decorations, including all interior and the exterior trees and the front of the Williamsburg Inn, streets and parking lots for over 20 years. The favorite parts of her job were the demonstrations and workshops, also working with all the designers to create the beautiful and original designs that grace the many buildings throughout. Recently, she began a business so that she can continue the design process throughout the year. Thank you for joining us today, Susan. Thank you for inviting me. That's a very impressive resume, and I won't tell you how old I was in 1980. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been uh, a while. Yes, yes. Um, lots, lots of experience to share with us. So I appreciate you coming on. Um, how uh, did you get started in creating the holiday decorations from natural materials and, and landscaping? Um, I believe my natural materials affinity started with my uh, childhood. My uh, mother and my grandmother and aunt and uncles all decorated with natural materials. Um, we were basically lived out in the country and... Um, You know, my grandparents went out and cut a cedar tree out of the pasture and brought it in, and that was the Christmas tree. And, you know, so it was, it made sense to me that natural materials were used. And they were simple, though, simple decorations. And then when I was working at Carter's Grove Plantation, uh, helping with the Christmas decorations there, I kind of saw, you know, the... Uh, epitome of using the natural materials, you know, how many things could be used and how they could be used together and, you know, just creative, inventive ways to use 
these materials and I just absolutely was intrigued and um, I anxiously waiting waited for Christmas every year so I could help decorate at Carter's Grove. Oh, I'm and, sure. How I, how far ahead did you have to start? I mean, how far ahead? Oh, I guess if you're using natural materials, that would make a difference. I was thinking you have, probably had to get started like months ahead with your plan. Well, later on when I had the historic area, yes, I basically worked on Christmas all year. But when I was a young gardener at Carter's Grove, um, the lady that I helped, uh, her name was Jody Peterson, and she worked for the Floral Services Department. And she did all the prep work. All we did was help her assemble and install all these beautiful things that she made for Carter's Grove Plantation. And it really is a page out of Colonial Williamsburg's history because um, Carter's Grove has been sold and is now um, a private property. So um, I really am thankful for the times I had there. It was a beautiful location and very inspiring. Okay, and had you always been interested in the historic, or was that just because you started working at, at Colonial Williamsburg and then you got, you know, you, you had that, that education and introduction? Right. Again, back to my family. Growing up in Virginia, history was just part of growing up. Um, coming to Williamsburg, uh, other historic sites, you know, Monticello, Scotchtown where Patrick Henry lived. That was part of my growing up. And so um, when I went to college, I had to decide between history and horticulture uh, for a major. And um, I didn't want to teach history. So I decided if I went into horticulture, I could be outside and be working. So I ended up having a job that was a wonderful combination of both. And That's what so, I was thinking, the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you recently started your business. How did how did you get started? Well, I retired um in July of twenty seventeen and I just took that advice that they give about if you do the things you love, you never work a day. And so um, I just took all the things that I loved about my job at Colonial Williamsburg, and those things now are my business. And so I do everything from Christmas decorating, floral design workshops, to landscape design. I just, to me, design is design, and it's, um, it's all a function of design that I enjoy. So that's what I decided to make my business about. And, 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 um, and taking taking the parts that you love makes sense when mm-hmm. you're, you know, rather than having to deal with all the things that, you know, drove you crazy. Right. I, I don't have a staff. I love my employees. I love them a lot, but I don't have a staff. Right. I, I completely I understand. <laughs> I basically work on, you know, projects that are always uh, interesting, you know, um, so, like I said, anything from landscape design to floral design, like uh, weddings, events, and the workshops I really love because I love teaching people. And, uh, of course, the holiday designs are the busiest time of year for me. I'll be starting um, soon and not stopping until Christmas. 
Okay, very good. Um, so I understand um, that there's a common perception of colonial holiday decorations that's not historically accurate. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about that? You know what the differences are and what caused the change in in how we you yes. know how we decorate. Yes, yes. Um, that's a question that we got over and over, and, um, and specifically at Colonial Williamsburg. Um, what happened, and I don't have specific dates because I will never remember them, but what happened was back in the late 30s, um, mid to late 30s, um, they had restored, I think, the Raleigh Tavern and maybe the Capitol. So there were just a few buildings that they had restored. But they were open to the public and, you know, people were coming, starting to come to Colonial Williamsburg to see what it was all about. And they noticed that people were coming during the holidays. And that was something that they hadn't thought of. They hadn't considered that people would want uh, Williamsburg to be a destination for holiday travel. So uh, the uh, president at the time, his name was Kenneth Chorley, he went to the flower lady, which they called her. Her name was Louise <laughs> Fisher. And he said, you know, we want to make the town welcoming to these people that are coming. So can you do some research and find out what we can do that, you know, would be appropriate and, you know, would make people feel special when they come. So Mrs. Fisher went to work and um, she found uh, prints and things, uh, early references to basically green. And they would be pine, um, holly, ivy, um, just greens that were sometimes hung on walls and sometimes hung on um, uh, signs for shops and things. But oh, yeah. It, was, it wasn't pervasive like it is today um, because back in the 18th century, the um, holiday season was strictly um, church. It was all about religion and it was all about church. So the majority of things that you did in the 18th century were to um, go to dances, go to church, have dinners and invite your friends, and you might uh, decorate the table a little more elaborately, but you didn't really put anything on the outside of the house. So what I'm sure Mrs. Fisher went back and had a conversation with Mr. Chorley, and so the first years that they decorated, they used just plain green roping and green wreaths just pine roping and pine wreaths. Now, I'm going to, you know, they only had to decorate between Christmas and New Year's. Oh, so, so just like the 12 days of Christmas pretty much, yeah. A week. And, of course, in Virginia, usually by the end of December, things have cooled down. It's a little more like a refrigerator. So they basically had to keep these greens going for a week. And that evolved not long into, I think the ladies that were working for her were getting kind of bored and they wanted to jazz things up. So they started, um, went back, did some more research and found reference to uh, Luca Della Robbia and Grinling Gibbons who were actually sculptors but would sculpt 
wreaths and what we call swags and things, which were clusters of fruit and greens and pods and things. And so they used those as a basis for adding fruit to the green. Were so they... Were they were they sculpting the fruit, or were they just using those as decorations, the sculptors? Well, the sculptors were sculpting the fruit. Okay, but they okay. were sculpting it on things for decoration. Like, um, I think Grinling Gibbons sculpted in wood. Um, Della Robbia actually worked in terracotta. So, um, you know, and they were back in the like the 17th century. They really weren't. 18th century, but that's what they based they were putting early. the fruit yes. on. Yeah. And that's where the term Della Robbia wreath comes from. Oh, um, I did not know that. So, yeah, so they started putting fruit, and I think the first thing they put on was apples and, you know, oranges and so forth. Now, they're still just decorating between Christmas and New Year's. So as time goes on, um, when I started decorating with friends um, that lived in the historic area, we were decorating, so 35, 40 years ago, we were decorating from mid-December to New Year's. So we were decorating basically for two, two and a half weeks. And um, they were already having to look at, you know, how, what the material was they were using. They used primarily fruit. And they started incorporating a few dried elements like yarrow and uh, some dried pods and things like that. Um, because when Duke of Gloucester Street runs east and west, so half of the street faces due south. Oh, and even in cool sun. times, yeah. the sun will bake a lot of what sits on the south side doors. So they had to start experimenting with what was going to last and look good during those two weeks. And, of course, you know, they took care of them consistently all the way through. They didn't just put them up and leave them. They checked on them daily and made sure they looked fresh. And so um, so when I took over in 1995, they had decided to start the 1st of December. So... I basically, my first year, you know, was four weeks, uh, the four weeks of December to New Year's. And um, so my predecessor, Libby Oliver, had gone through the first hanging. We called it the hanging of the street. So she had gone through the first hanging, and I had kind of shadowed her. So all the greens had gone up for the first week. And it just so happened that that week, in December, ran about 90, 95 degrees. Oh, no. And full sun. So <laughs> my first memories are of people calling me up going, why is the roping turning ground? And I would say, what if you put roping in an oven, what's it going to do? <laughs> right. Ground. I said, well, we pretty much have an oven going on here. So, so I had to figure out a way to keep things going for a month. And so we started incorporating more dried materials and some of the places were strictly dried materials that got a real southern hard exposure. And we also started relating the wreath to what the building did. So the kitchens oh, would yeah. be decorated with cinnamon and oranges and uh, spoons and cups and things and the um, Taverns would be decorated with pipes and 
you know, things like that. So we started using some of the products that were available to relate to what the building was used for. And that helped the designers kind of, you know, kind of catch on to a theme and then work with that to help them design the decorations. And it was probably a year or two after I started that they wanted to have everything up by Thanksgiving. So that meant, like for this year, I could tell you the earliest that Thanksgiving ever falls is the 22nd of November, which is what it falls this year. When Thanksgiving is the 22nd of November, we would have an eight-week season. So two months. So I had to plan all the greens, you know, make sure I had enough because we were constantly refreshing things. That's what I was going to ask you. Did you have to go back through then and, and start making, All you know, have, have enough to make new as it, as it exactly. starts to, Exactly. I had to yeah. have enough on hand. And um, we, of course, during the first part of the month, we changed things out more. As the month wore on and it got cooler, we generally, you know, didn't have to change things out as much. But you had to keep up with it because my uh, – feelings were, if someone comes to Colonial Williamsburg for the Christmas decorations and that's the only day they're here, it should look as good on the first day as it looks on the last day because that may be the only day they come to see the decorations and they deserve to have the same experience as the people that were there on day one. So I pushed a lot to, you know, to keep things nice. We would go out and check. We had a van with uh, two gentlemen loaded up with greens, a big basket of fruit, cones, you name it. And they would go out every morning as soon as it got daylight and they would check every decoration. And they would make small adjustments on things. You had the birds helping you. You had lots of squirrels helping you. And sometimes you had people helping you with the decorations. So they would have to replace things until they couldn't fix the decoration anymore and then it would come down and come back to the shop and the designer would redo it and we'd send it back out. So it was a constant process. Oh, and I'm sure that, that, and that makes your, it makes it even busier. Yes. Yes. I mean, we were, we were busy that, that time. And so that is why um, more dried materials have been used because the season is just extended, you know, Every few years, it's changed, and it's usually extended. Um, Oh, but back to the history of it. So in the 18th century, it was a religious holiday. And remember I told you they would decorate the um, tables pretty elaborately? They would use fruit on the tables. So I feel like the table decorations actually were kind of – we kind of moved those outside and – just to dress things up to make it look uh, natural and inviting. So I always, I love food. So I think of having those beautiful table arrangements and then kind of translating them to the doorways and things like that. And that that make that makes sense to me. Um, and I, I'm I'm thinking like so. Does the dried fruit does or the dried materials that you're using does that? Mm-hmm dissuade the squirrels and the other critters? Because I know I can't even put pumpkins on my front porch because the squirrels, oh, yeah. like, attack it. So exactly. is that something that helps? or the, the dried materials, they usually didn't bother. Um, I can tell you that 
the squirrels definitely believe that the season is their smorgasbord season. I guess they're just fattening up before the hard winter. Yes. So um, their number one favorite fruit is apples, red, green, and then we use the little lady apple, which is a little small apple. It's a little crab apple. Loved those. Um, once the apples had been gone through, um, they would go to oranges. And um, they very rarely would get into a pomegranate. But, you know, it all depended on the squirrel and the location. And right. we had hot spots. <laughs> Opportunity. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah. there's a, the museum does a program on the Christmas decorations, and there's a picture of a squirrel um, that got so fat at this one location that, you know, they have the picket fences everywhere. Oh, yeah. He got so fat, he looked like a little groundhog, and he oh. couldn't squeeze through the fence anymore. He was so, his little butt was so big, he couldn't squeeze oh. through the picket fence anymore. So <laughs> they really took advantage of it. And where it was a really big problem, we started adding more of the dried red peppers into the designs. And oh. so sometimes, you know, sometimes the designs would change because we basically had to to right. keep it up there. And the more red peppers we used, the, you know, we got less damage from the squirrels, but, you know, the birds didn't seem to be, they're not bothered by them. So it just all depended on the location. And I will and, tell and, you that the visitors love watching the birds eat the decorations, watching the squirrels eat the decorations. Um, I don't know what the... Um, draw is about the humans we usually ended up with human bite marks on things which i just couldn't i can't and they and they weren't probably small child sized well someone told me that they saw someone pick their toddler up and they would lean they leaned over and bit an apple oh goodness but the apple's been outside yeah, how I many just, people that's gross. It? How many people <laughs> had the flu that touched it? I mean, I just can't imagine. But anyway, it happens. So you have all kinds of help. Right, yeah. Um, so I, you talked about the peppers and you've talked about the fruit. Are there any other, like, typical natural decorations that, that you use or recommend? And I'm um, sure you use different from inside to outside. Oh, or yeah. do you use the same? Um, we use hardier things I think on the outside and okay. we would okay. use um, gosh of course I can't think of anything now um, we would buy um, dehydrated whole slit oranges um, dehydrated um, pomegranates um, cotton I would get cotton and um, gosh we would use quince slices that had been sliced and dried um, all kinds of pine cones of the native trees, loblollies, um, white pine, and um, the large needle pine, which is a great big um, pine. And, um, oh, my gosh, I had, you know, rows and rows of containers of materials, and I can't remember hardly any of them now. But um, That's okay. The peppers, <laughs> the peppers um, Japanese lanterns. Um, trying to think, um, we would actually, I had a lady up in the mountains that would collect, um, things from there, like 
dock, which grows on the side of the road, and dry that, and sumac, which grows on the side of the road, and dry that, and uh, uh, goldenrod, she would dry that for us. So it was it was a lot. I tried to come up with a lot of different things so that the designers had a lot to choose from because they were doing a job that took a lot of creativity and they were doing it over and over and over again. Right. But would you focus mostly on things that were native and, and, or, yeah. and or, you know, available to be imported in the, in exactly. the uh, 18th century? Exactly. Okay. That were known, mm-hmm, that would have been known in the 18th century. Okay. So do you, um, if somebody's listening and they, they want to, you know, try to create wreaths or swags or uh, any decorations on their own, do you have any, you know, tips or resources that you'd like to share? Well, um, there are a couple of books that are good. Um, one was written in 1981 by uh, Libby Oliver, and she was my predecessor. And it's a, it's a, you can get it in hardback, but there's a lot of paperbacks out there. And it's called Colonial Williamsburg Decorates for Christmas, Step-by-Step illustrated instruction for Christmas decorations you can make for your home. Okay. And it's a it's a large size paperback book, but it has a whole lot of line drawings that shows how things are wired and picked and so forth. I mean, we we use very little hot glue, which I know a lot of people use exclusively now. Right. Um, we you know, the first ladies, they didn't have hot glue. I mean, hot no. glue didn't come along till just a few years ago. So they developed techniques to get things to stay on the wreath for the duration. And this book shows you how the things are done. Uh, the only difference in, with this book is that when it was written, Oasis wasn't a um, easy, I mean, it wasn't really available. And Oasis is that green product that soaks up water. Oh, okay, yeah. And make the flower arrangements in it. So mm-hmm. now they have Oasis cages, which they have that has a handle on it and a and a loop on the top so you can hang it. But the Oasis is held in a plastic cage. They would take sphagnum moss, wet it, and they would use um, chicken wire to make the shapes, and then oh, they would goodness. insert. The, the fresh items and attach things to that. So that is different because the Oasis is a whole lot easier, but the techniques for putting things together are basically the same. So um, I, I like to recommend that book. Okay, very good. I will de- – oh. go ahead. I was going to just say I'll definitely – any resource that you share, I'll put a link to it on our website okay. too so that people can find it easily. Okay, the second book that I recommend is called uh, Christmas Decorations from Williamsburg, and it was written in 2006 or published in 2006 um, by Sue Roundtree, um, who was, uh, is, she's still around, a very talented designer of decorations um, in Williamsburg. And that one has just a huge amount of color pictures of decorations that were done. So as far as ideas of 
combinations of things to put together. Um, there's just a lot of photographs in that book that you could use as an inspiration for, you know, maybe where you want to hang your decoration. Okay, very, very good. Thank you. Um, I know mm-hmm. that but every time I the, – the, the, the things always look easier – then, and then when I start to try to tackle it, you know, halfway through, I'm like, oh, this wasn't as easy as I imagined. <laughs> yes, I will say, you know, I do, I do workshops on, um, and demonstrations on putting the things together because, I, you know, nothing's like seeing it done. Um, and I've had, uh, had a demonstration in... Um, Washington last week, and I did a workshop over the weekend, but um, I've been accepted to the farmer's market at Williamsburg, so I'm not going to have time to do demos and workshops anymore because we'll be turning out Colonial Williamsburg-style decorated wreaths for sale at the farmer's market, and that's going to take up my time from now till then, but... um, I love doing the workshops. I maybe next year after I've gone through this uh, farmers market thing, I will have it more figured out. <laughs> but this is you'll my have, yeah, you'll time. have it, you'll yeah. have it down, and you'll you'll see if you have you have time yeah. to to do any yeah. any workshops. Yeah. So you you do do design and consulting services for for people. People can can come to your your business and yeah. hire you. Do you have a geographic location? Do you have certain things that you that you, you know, specialize in? Um, I generally have worked around the Williamsburg area because um, you know people recognize my name. I um, I've been involved with the garden clubs and um, things here, so those folks know me and um, so because it's just my first year I haven't really you know reached out or extended out because I'm still trying to make sure I'm very concerned about the quality of the product that I create so I won't compromise quantity for quality because that again is what I love to do so if I started churning out things quickly that weren't of a good quality I would not enjoy that so um, I'm just going to keep the business the size it needs to be so that I have control over the quality and I'm sure it will grow but I think it's going to be I'm not you know immediately looking to go to do things in Washington. I was invited up there by the Army Spouses uh, Club and came up and did a demonstration for them. So I wasn't like at Macy's or something doing a demonstration up there. So um, I'm just going to, I'm going to take it slow and make sure everything's, like I said, the way I want it to be and, you know, just work with it like that. Well, and keep it enjoyable. I mean that that is the yeah. that 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 yeah. is the 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 goal. I yeah. think. Um, yeah. So how can how can our listeners get in touch with you? Um, I have um, I have an email address, which is d i p p r e s u s a n at gmail dot com. And I also have a Facebook page, and it's Susan Dupree Designs. Okay, very good. 
And um, I will also make sure that there's links to that on our, our website also. Um, so that okay. You, um, and then um, I know that you mentioned the Williamsburg Farmer's Market, but you know, when is it? When can people come down and, and, and buy wreaths and, and different holiday decorations from you? Um, we're going to start the Farmer's Market the first weekend in November, November 3rd. The Farmer's Market is held on Saturdays from 8 to 12. And um, the first weekend, we're going to do autumn arrangements. And okay. um, I've been trying to get my greens man to put some wreaths together for me earlier than he wants to because I want to start selling Christmas decorations uh, from like the second weekend in November on. So it'll probably be a mix, but by, by the weekend before um, Thanksgiving, it'll be all Christmas. And we'll just be doing those things. We're also going to do some custom work if people want that. And um, so we're just going to have them there. We're right on uh, South Henry Street, so people can see us when they drive by. And um, we're looking forward to it. We're excited about it. I, I think that that will that will be exciting, and and uh, I I think that you'll I I I think that you'll be very busy, and I I hope I think that I will by, too. yeah I was gonna say my hope by I hope by like Christmas you're not um you're not thinking yeah. oh this isn't fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I, um, I right I did a yeah. lot of work last year, and you know I was exhausted by Christmas. The farmers yeah. market, the holiday farmers market, goes till December fifteenth. So I will have time to, you know, sleep for a couple of days before... Before Christmas this year. Yes, yes. I, so. I worked at a I worked at a bakery, and Christmas is always our busiest time of year when when I was younger. And I'm sure there, the first the first the first Christmas Eve, I came home. I still had presents to wrap, and I just laid down on the floor and cried. I had nothing left. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I had um I had that podcast that you saw that I had done. Oh last yes. Year. And that was on December 22nd. And so I actually did that in the office of the PR uh, folks at Colonial Williamsburg. And after it finished, I just turned around because I was looking at the computer and they were kind of sitting behind me. And I turned around and burst into tears. And they were like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm so tired. Yeah, it is. It's it's and, and you're you're busy getting everybody else's Christmas ready. You're not. You don't really have time unless you really planned ahead to you know yeah, do, to do. to do your own. Yeah, yeah. I can so, plan well, decorations ahead for a year, but Christmas decorations for myself or anything for presents last minute. Yes. So, okay, well, very good. Thank you so much for, for, for coming on and sharing your knowledge. Um, well, thank you for having me. Yeah, and, they'll, and they'll, when they do the editing, they'll cut this part out because I don't know how to stop it from recording and stay okay. on. <laughs> so, but um, when, when I have, when I have the, the file ready and the, um, when I have the file ready and the mm-hmm. um, transcript, I'll send it to you. You can use it for whatever you want. Um, okay. And then I'll I'll promote it that week after Thanksgiving. Okay. Well, thank you. That'll be I think that'll be perfect. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Have, have a have a good holiday season. Thank you, Danielle. You too. Yeah. 
Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.